one soaring. Accidentally unplugged the mic and I just plugged it back in and then like, the um, my line and audacity was like way thicker than usual, so I think I was getting a bunch of feedback. Hmm. So yeah. That's yeah, the it one, looks like we're good. That's the one scenario where you where <laughs> thickness is an issue. Or at least yeah. too thick too thick is an issue. You want it kind of just <laughs> right down the middle, I would say. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, welcome to the show. This is Turn One Soul Ring. I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Eric. And I'm Riley. And today on the show, we are going to be wrapping up our call time set review with the gold and land cards from the set that we're interested in in particular this isn't going to be an exhaustive uh review of these cards as usual um before we get to the gold cards though uh we have a couple of things to do uh first up we are going to announce the winner of our uh episode 100 verisol the split current commander deck giveaway so i do have a list of the uh the entries and i'll post a video of this uh on instagram around the time that this episode drops so i'll just uh get my random number generator set up here um everybody's excited okay okay doing it drum roll Uh, number generator (laughs) click all right generate it's generating it's done that was fast okay um and the winner is uh number four we have uh thomas agent oh one you are the winner Dear boy nice. of the uh, Verisol, the Split Current Commander Deck giveaway. Uh, it's a full Commander Deck. If you did not listen it's to that sweet. episode, go check it out. It's fully sleeved. It's in a, uh, a deck box, and we will send that to you uh, wherever you live. So, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll post this on Instagram, and you can let us know your info, where to send it, and we will send it to you. Uh, thank you to everyone who entered into the giveaway, who listened to the episode, who listens to all our episodes, honestly. And uh, it was a lot of fun to do that. And uh, I'm excited to do it again. And, you know, I was thinking like we could do it at episode 200, but we could do it b- before then. You know, we don't have to wait that long. Um, <laughs> so, uh, who knows? Yeah, Great. who knows? Th- thanks, yeah. Thomas. Tommy, Tommy boy. All right. Um, so before we get to the first gold card today, uh, Eric, you have to let uh, all of our listeners know how they can get in touch with us. I, th- uh, uh, I think I think they can find us on Instagram uh, <laughs> at Term on Soaring the Podcast. <laughs> uh, if you want to get a hold of us directly, uh, we have an email address: Term on Soaring the Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also throw everything up onto the YouTube's. Uh, search us out: Term on Soaring the Podcast is the best way to find us, and we have a Patreon page. So if you Really like our show, like kind of like what we're doing here. Uh, check us out over on over on the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash churn one soul ring. All right. Thank you very much. We're going to get to the first gold card here. It is Agar the Freezing Flame. Ooh. It's one, a blue, and a red for a 3-3 legendary giant wizard. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt da- excess damage, if a giant wizard or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, Draw a card. Oh yeah, buddy. yeah. So, <laughs> so if you're just doing excess damage in some sort of way, like through combat with the with the probably your giants, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> likely. Well, unless yeah. you got some thick wizards, <laughs> it can happen, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is great. Even like Agar himself, like as a three-three, uh, can probably get you some card draws going. 
Because then again, like, if somebody wants to trump block this so they don't die or something, like, you still get to draw a card, which is super good. Oh, yeah, yeah this is sort of like, uh, this reminds me of Overkill from uh, Hearthstone. It's it's nice to get a payoff for, you know, doing excess damage. So much of the time it's just kind of, um, you know, it's just left on the dance floor. You know, it's, it's sort of like when you have leftover. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like you sort of feel bad about it. The same way you kind of feel bad about being mana inefficient, right? Like leaving mana um in your mana pool and letting it fizzle and of course we don't get punished uh the same way our our magic forebearers did but uh it still hurts emotionally <laughs> next up we have arnie slays the troll arnie it's a green and a red for a saga our first saga uh, target creature you control. Oh, the, well, let me just uh, let me just refresh everybody's memory on sagas. So uh, as the saga enters, and after you draw, and after your draw step, add a lore counter, and you sacrifice after the third saga. So it has it has three. Um, I don't know what would you guys call these chapters. Uh, three. I guess it's a lore counter, so three lores. I don't mm. know chapters. That's yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they're referred to as chapters. Yeah, chapters. Yeah. So ch chapter one is target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control, and chapter two is add a red to your mana pool, put two one one counters on up to one target creature you control, and chapter three is you gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. So definitely in like uh, limited, this is a really good card. Uh, you're probably green red, so you have some bigger creatures. Obviously, you just have the fight spells. So this is a fight spell that just does more uh, on your second and third turns. Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Ascent of the Worthy. It's one, a black, and a white. And chapter one and two are the same. They are choose a creature you control until your next turn. All damage that would be dealt to creatures you control is dealt to that creature instead. And chapter three is return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a flying counter on it. That creature is an angel warrior in addition to its other types. So, uh, I mean, this being uncommon, it's going to show up somewhat often in, in limited, but it's not that great. Uh, <laughs> having to wait three turns until you're able to return something from your graveyard to the battlefield is um, difficult at times. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. But in commander, like if you're playing, you know, like an Orzhov Enchantress deck um, or even like a five color Enchantress deck, it might be fun to include just having that ability to recur something in a few turns. But uh, I, I was kind of wishing that, the first two chapters were more of like a pariah effect that also considered damage coming at you. Like if it was able to redirect damage to a creature that's being dealt to you, that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. Just to buffer your life total for a few turns. But uh, the fact that it, it, it it's redirecting damage from other creatures means that you have to have enough blockers to <laughs> redirect that damage if you're choosing to, to you know, block, right? Um, so a bit of an awkward card. I don't know if it's necessarily worth it in, in a lot of scenarios, but the fact that the creature comes back with flying, with a flying counter on it, it's pretty cool. You can also do some fun little things. If you got a stuffy doll out there, Yep. you can choose the stuffy doll and then like all the damage gets dealt to him, which gets dealt to whoever your target was. Mm -hmm. 
We have Battle for Bredegard next. It's one, a green and a white for another saga. Chapter one is create a 1-1 white human warrior creature token. Chapter two is create a 1-1 green elf warrior creature token. And chapter three is choose any number of artifact tokens and or creature tokens you control with different names. For each of them, create a token that's a copy of it. So you get to, I mean, if you have one of each, you get to double up your tokens. Yep. Yeah. This yeah. is great in like any kind of token deck if you're in these colors. Uh, run this card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty nice payoff with Chapter 3. And it's nice that it hits uh, artifact tokens as well. So if you've got a, a treasure or some other form of artifact token, like you get a nice little bonus there. We have Battle of Frost and Fire next. It is another saga. It's three blue-red. And Chapter 1 is Battle of... Uh, well, yes chapter one excuse me chapter one is battle of frost and fire deals four damage to each non-giant creature and each planeswalker chapter two is scry three and chapter three is whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost five or greater this turn draw two cards then discard a card this looks like a lot of fun (laughs) i like i mean i'm I'm looking at Agar as far as uh, where I'd want to slot this if I was running an Agar deck in Commander. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think this would fit perfectly there. Just looks like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Yeah, big mana payoff. Woo! <laughs> and, and you know, like like even in a game of Commander, uh, like four damage can uh, can can clear the board. Uh, yeah. Even, and even hitting Planeswalkers, it can, it can, yeah. it can be very effective. Yeah, and obviously, like, if you're running, like, a, a Giants deck, like, it's going to be more or less one-sided. Uh, so even if it doesn't, like, sweep the board clean, at least it's going to make a significant impact. And the fact that it does the damage on the first chapter, like, as soon as it hits the, the battlefield, I think that's really what makes it so strong, right? Like, it's not what, like one of those um, sagas you have to wait a few turns until you get a decent effect. It, it hits the board right away and, and has an immediate effect on the game. I like to scry three. That's nice too. Yeah, because it's like you know, it, it is it is like a board wipe, and then you get to uh, you know, you're not replenishing your hand, but you're almost drawing a card. You know, you get to you get to plan for the next few turns while everybody's rebuilding, especially mm-hmm. if yeah. you've got a, a bunch of giants on the battlefield. Oh, straight up, yeah. Next up, we have another saga. It's the Bears of Lit Yara. It's one. A green and a blue. Chapter one is create a 2-2 blue shapeshifter creature token with changeling. Chapter two is any number of target shapeshifter creatures you control have base, power, and toughness 4-4. And chapter three is choose up to one target creature or planeswalker. Each creature with power four or greater you control deals damage equal to its power to that permanent. This is kind of a funny card. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, uh it's uh like it definitely it's funny because like it pumps the it makes a 2-2 but then like the second chapter is permanent like it's not until end of turn mm-hmm. so all of your shapeshifters are now just four fours uh and then it's interesting because it gives like green blue it's like a weird it's like a better kind of fight spell in the end because it's not fighting it's just damage equal to its power yeah so your creatures are kind of safe you can just kind of like remove something yeah and notably chapter three counts all of your creatures, like whether they're shapeshifters or not, anything that oh, has I power that. four or greater, yeah, will will bite your opponent's creature or planeswalker. I mean, it does target. Like, it's not like a like a sweeping effect, <laughs> but yeah. uh, 
you know it is it is kind of like pseudo removal so it's yeah. just a little bit of a cherry on top there mm-hmm. totally uh, um but yeah like if you're running like a low to the ground shapeshifter changeling kind of tribal tribal deck this could be pretty fun for for that uh base power toughness four four assuming that your changelings are weaker than four four because <laughs> otherwise you'd be downgrading them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's also funny to think like it, i don't uh i haven't looked into the the story of this set too much but uh <laughs> you know the are, are the bears just like revolting or are the bears shapeshifters like the bears of yeah. yara and they're just like uh they're just like turning on their masters or, or yeah i'm pretty you know? i'm sure pretty sure the lit yara are the uh like the tribe of shapeshifters okay so it's <laughs> they're just bears today <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay great that's a good that's a good animal to be i like it <laughs> feeling berry <laughs> we have binding of the old gods next it is another saga it's two black green chapter one is destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls chapter two is search your library for a forest card Put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. And chapter three is creatures you control gain death touch until end of turn. So this is a removal spell that then does more for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that makes it pretty good. And it's also destroying target non-land permanent. So you can hit pretty much anything uh-huh. that that's nice. giving you trouble with this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is nice. Yeah, I think the, the thing I like most about um, this kind of saga, like the way these kind of sagas are designed, similar to like Battle of Frost and Fire, where it has an immediate effect. Like, this is not a saga that your opponents are going to necessarily want to go after once it's hit the battlefield, because like it's not that much value to destroy a saga that's going to get them a forest and then give their creatures death touch, right? I, I know, yeah. like playing with Eldest Reborn, there's uh, like the last chapter being bringing something back from a graveyard onto the battlefield like that could be a big threat so sometimes it doesn't stick around for the full three chapters uh but just being able to like come down immediately destroy something and then get you like some incremental value following that without being like a substantial threat i think it's um really cool yeah yeah good point yeah yeah it's a really nice design that way i definitely really like it we have the blood sky massacre next it is one black red for another saga chapter one is create a two three red demon berserker creature token with menace chapter two is whenever a berserker attacks this turn you draw a card and you lose one life and chapter three is add a red for each berserker you control until end of turn you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. it's still weird for me to read um cards where they say like just add and then the mana symbol and then nothing else. Like I'm so used to add, you know, this to your mana pool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm still not used to it, but, um, uh, or it's, it's not that I'm not used to it. I'm used to it. It's just, it doesn't look right to me, but, um, anyways, uh, what do, what do we think of this, uh, this saga? Is that a guy's tattooed arm in the art? Yeah, it is. Okay. Or a yeah, so it's a little lady. bit different, like art wise compared to the other, um, sagas for that, right? Because most of them are like, you know, some sort of tapestry or an artifact thing or some sort of like artistic um, physical piece. Well, this is like art that's like on a person's body. So it's cool. Black, red. Yeah, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. If you care about berserkers, this is going to be awesome value through and through. Um, So, yeah, berserker tribal. Go for it. (laughs) 
We have Fall of the Imposter next. It's one, a green, and a white for a saga. Chapter one and two are the same, and they are put a 1-1 counter on up to one target creature. And chapter three is Exile, a creature with the greatest power among creatures target opponent controls. Hmm. So this is kind of where, like, Riley was saying the best part of it's at the end. Yeah. Uh, but this is also it's, yeah, this is a really interesting um, one because it's getting rid of the it's tough. Like, greatest uh, power among creatures. Yeah, so it's going to make your opponent like not want to play their big threat because it's just going to get removed right away, and they're going to want to wait for this to go off and then cast their big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually how it plays out. I, I did have one game of limited where uh, my opponent chained together two of these. It made it a little bit awkward to play around. Um, Oof. <laughs> and and <laughs> fortunately, I managed to get them to discard the third one they had in their hand. For, oh boy! <laughs> for some reason they had oh my god! So wow. in that particular scenario, they were pretty good. Like if you're able to layer this effect, but otherwise, yeah. it, it's not totally worth it because it is fairly easy to play around. Right. In a game of commander, however, like if you care a lot about having those plus one plus one counters, it might be playable. And just having that exile effect at a later turn that you could target at any one of your opponents. Maybe it becomes a political tool at that point. Um, I don't know. might be interesting. Because I'd, if I'd two, play it and if, see how it if, plays if, out. Yeah, if two creatures have the same power uh, at that point, you would get to choose, right? Yeah. Yeah. Assuming they both have the... They're tied for greatest power is what I mean. Yeah, if they're tied, then you'd get to choose. Yeah. Oh, I hate ties. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Furja, Judge of Valor. It's two white, black, black for a legendary angel cleric, 2-4 with flying and lifelink. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. It's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a really, yeah, really cool card because it's like, oh, you want to be playing like smaller weenie stuff, and if you do that, you can keep refilling your hand this way as well so it really helps itself out yeah or or fill up your fill up your yard even faster right mm-hmm. that too yeah to be pulling get some like there. mass but that's sort of that would be more of like a that um i guess i'm thinking of it for uh commander that that would be more of a delicate balance right you want to be putting big things into your graveyard but you want to still be able to ensure that you can cast that second spell each turn yeah huh? Yeah, I mean, it, re- it really depends how you want to build it, but like you could even do like a swarm style deck where, like, there are some reanimation spells that bring out a, a multiple little things. So if that's your top end, where you're just bringing out a bunch of little threats <laughs> and try to swarm your enemies that way, that might be fun. Okay, swarm strategy. Check it out. Next up, we have Furge's Retribution. It's one white white black for a saga chapter one is create a four four white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance chapter two is until end of turn angels you control gain tap destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power and chapter three is angels you control gain double strike until end of turn now these seem these all seem good yes yeah (laughs) this is firing on all cylinders (laughs) yeah this card's a house (laughs) I mean, at its worst, you're getting uh, like a four mana, four four flying vigilance angel. Like, <laughs> that's fine. And then from there, you're just like wrecking your opponent. Yeah, and it's like if my opponent use removal on this, you're like 
sure. I still got my four four. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's already over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pack them up. <laughs> we have forging the Tyrite sword next. It's one red white for a saga. Chapter one and two are the same. They are create a treasure token. And chapter three is search your library for a card named Halvar, God of Battle, or an equipment card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. I like how it's like, yeah, this is going to tutor for equipment, but for those people that have the Halvar in their deck, that's like just like a little bit of extra goodness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Delicious gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Th- and I totally had like a uh, unlimited, I used this to tutor out the like one red helmet. Yeah. It was legit. <laughs> <laughs> It's you know it's a pretty pretty slow card to play in limited, um, but in commander I think it would be pretty fun just having a little bit of uh, like early game ramp, you know in the first two chapters and then being able to power out a solid piece of equipment. I think it it would yeah it could be a fun fun include. Obviously not the most competitive version. Like I I if I had the the option to I'd probably still run like an open the armory over this. Or steel, um, or steel shaper's gift. Yeah, steel shaper's yeah. gift is uh, getting pricier, but but definitely yeah, so, a, a, I know. a stronger option as well. Yeah, yeah. But but just getting those two extra treasures is pretty cool. We have uh, Harald, King of Skemfar. Next, it's one black green for a three-two elf warrior, legendary creature with menace. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an elf, warrior, or Tyvar card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Excuse me. Yeah, if you're playing yeah. Golgari Elves, like, I mean, obviously this could lead your deck if you wanted to, but I think it's a solid include in the 99 of, like, a like an elf dredge deck or something like that. Um just being able to replace itself and being like a reasonable threat on its own. Yeah. Yeah, De- definitely um yeah, in that scenario where you can keep replaying it, I, c- I could definitely see putting this in that type of deck, but just like on its own for that that one-time effect, I don't know if uh I mean it is it is only 3 mana, so it is it is pretty decent, but uh if you can if you can repeat that ability, then you're uh you're you're really happy. Yeah, for sure. We have Harald Unites the Elves next. It's two black-green for a saga. Chapter one is mill three cards. You may put an elf or Tyvar card from your graveyard onto the battlefield. Chapter two is put a 1-1 counter on each elf you control. And chapter three is whenever an elf you control attacks this turn, target creature an opponent controls gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it wants you to play elves. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh pretty pretty much spells it on the card <laughs> uniting <laughs> elves so <laughs> <laughs> yeah like with elf ball uh you can probably get to a position where you're like oh i attack and kill three of my opponent's creatures yeah <laughs> yeah and that, then get in with damage that third chapter makes it really hard for your opponents to block <laughs> yeah <laughs> never mind the fact that on the previous turn your whole team just got buffed up with plus one plus one counters so yeah yeah seems like a pretty reasonable threat (laughs) i like this card (laughs) next up we have um immer sturm 
Yep. I think that I, I that's like I think that's like a Scandinavian. Uh, um, German. German. Immersturm Predator. It's two black red for a vampire dragon three three with flying. Whenever it becomes tapped, exile up to one target card from a graveyard and put a one one counter on it. Sacrifice another creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Tap it. Hmm. Yeah, this can be a threat that just like doesn't leave the board. <laughs> it reminds me <laughs> if you have. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah. it reminds me of um. Oh, what was that vampire that uh that got indestructible when you sacrificed a creature? Oh, why am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, Yeheni. Yeheni. Yeah. Reminds yeah. me. Yeheni. Yeah. Yeah, like a flying Yeheni. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this one, it, like, I guess it reliably gets plus ones, where you, Henny, you need, like, your opponent's creature to die. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, every single time you attack, you're just, like, making them bigger. Well, yeah. I mean, e like, even the um, turn you play, oh, it, yeah, like, I guess, it, like it, it, it only considers when it becomes tapped. So, yeah, like, considering that the, the new kind of regenerate template, this whole indestructible and tap it kind of thing... Um, you could you could sacrifice a creature, exile something, and then tap it, put a counter on it. So, yeah. Why do you stuff. why do you think they changed the the templating like that and moved away from regenerate? Because it's not because regenerate's complicated, right? Like this isn't. Uh, I wouldn't well, say that 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 this is any more complicated than regenerate. Well, re regenerate was kind of designed. Regenerate's a little awkward. Yeah, regenerate's a little awkward in the sense that it was designed uh, when damage used the stack. So you'd actually like respond to the creature dying by regenerating it, but when when that changed and you had to now do this whole like roundabout way of regenerating by putting on regenerating shields, so to speak, um, like it it's just not intuitive for for newer players. Okay, that's right? fair. Yeah, I think I think that's the argument for uh, the whole regenerating field thing not being really how regeneration works because right. You know, I know when I started playing Magic, like, I always thought, like, oh, he dies, goes to the graveyard, then I regenerate him, right? Because, you know, he's regenerating. <laughs> right, right. As the, yeah. as the name would uh, would, ha would have you believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it never it never goes to the graveyard, and then you have somebody reading regenerate, and then you're like, I, I tap it and remove it from combat as well? Yeah. What it, if it's not in combat? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> No, I guess I guess that's fair, and I guess I've, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just a victim of of uh, of when I started playing because you know that that's just how it always was. So uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's yeah. No, that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair, and and I mean I can't, I guess I can't say that it made perfect sense to me when I first started playing, but you know the people that were teaching me how to, to play were like, look, that's just how it works. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, just deal with it. Fine. <laughs> You're like, it works this way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great, great. It doesn't lose any of its any of its auras because this was before equipments. Great, I'm. Let's keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> so next up we have Invasion of the Giants. It's a blue and a red for a saga. Chapter one is Scry two. Uh, chapter two is draw a card. Then you may reveal a giant card from your hand. When you do, Invasion of the Giants deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Chapter three is the next giant spell you cast this turn costs two less to cast. Just good in giants <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's like a slow preordain that gives you a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a ritual boost assuming you're you're yeah. planning on playing a giant 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your agar can cost one less. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Next up, we have Carter Doom's Scourge. It's got Carter. Car- Carter. <laughs> what is this? An ep- what is this, an episode of ER? Cargo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it is. It's two a black and a red for a four three legendary demon berserker. When it enters the battlefield, until your next turn, creatures your opponent's <laughs> control attack each combat if able and attack a player other than you if able. Whenever an attacking creature dies. Each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Whenever I read that, the uh, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life, I always it always makes me think of extort and how that's how things like this should always be written. Even though I know it's like super overpowered, you know, like <laughs> like and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyways, I digress. You know, I I think there's I. A common theme in Kaldheim, at least for me, is that the uncommon legendary creatures seem to be like exceptionally more exciting to think about building around <laughs> than uh, than like the rares ever felt for me. So I don't know. Carter is another one of those uh, legendary commanders that it, it feels like a goat effect uh, mixed mm-hmm. with like yeah. some combat. Um, like there's some weird enchantments from like invasion and, and other older blocks where like it really messes with how combat works or like creatures are sacrificed if they get into combat kind of thing, or you choose how creatures, uh, uh, how the blocking creatures deal damage or whatever it is. Like it's, I, I, I just think like building around like a combat step deck that messes with how the rules of combat work would be really fun with uh, a card like Carter at the helm. Yeah, and you wouldn't cool. you wouldn't upset anybody doing that. It would be so funny. <laughs> well, it would it would be funny, but I can just I can see like you know going back to game stores and playing Paper Magic again, and like you yeah. know this guy that just bought his you know at that point it's probably gonna be like uh, I don't know Innistrad werewolves and whatever a uh, 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 commander precon, and you're you're coming down and playing a deck that like messes with combat, and he's like I don't yeah. even know how regular combat works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, guys check out this sick dragon dragon bill that i'm like cargo dirt <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man we've been spending too much time alone <laughs> okay <laughs> see now i can't this is like another crick situation i can't even say the yeah. name <laughs> Okay, so next up we have uh, we have Carter's. <laughs> we have, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Next up we have Carter's vicious return. It's two, a black and a red for a saga. Chapter one is you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, Carter's vicious return deals. Three damage to any target. Chapter two is each player discards a card, and chapter three is return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a one-one counter on it. It gains haste until your next turn. This is kind of like this is again like oh uh, yeah go ahead. I was just gonna <laughs> say that the the art is it kind of reminds me of like the uh, the showcase cards from Ikoria. It's kind of like comic book 
style art. I, I oh yeah, I, I really mm-hmm. like this one. Yeah, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also kind of close to like the Balrog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the sword and the chain. Oh, yeah, yeah, shall not pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know, uh, I feel like this one again fires on all cylinders. Or just like Rakdos wants to do as well. Yeah, I, I don't I, I necessarily agree with you. <laughs> um, I you know it feels a, a little bit like uh, Eldest Reborn, but like the first chapter on Eldest Reborn is making each of your opponents sacrifice a creature, and I feel like that's a little bit more impactful than uh, making you sacrifice a creature and then dealing three to something else. <laughs> um. Yeah, a little bit of a setup cost when it comes to this. But, of course, like, if, if you're discarding a card on Chapter 2, uh, ideally you could, you know, re- reanimate it on Chapter 3, uh, assuming that your opponents haven't blown it up. Because this is, again, one of those sagas that are still a threat when they're on the battlefield, uh, even after the first chapter. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Next up, we have Kaya the Inexorable. She is three white-black for a legendary Planeswalker Kaya for five loyalty. Her plus one is put a ghost form counter on up to one target non-token creature. It gains when this creature dies or is put into exile. Return it to its owner's hand and create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. Her minus three is exile target non-land permanent. And her minus seven is you get an emblem with at the beginning of your upkeep. You may cast a legendary spell from your hand from your graveyard or from among cards you own in exile without paying its mana cost a little sideboard action no it's just exile sorry i was no. uh, <laughs> I miss, uh <laughs> that was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna exile my sideboard here <laughs> <laughs> let me just look through, i'll just flip through that quickly to do yeah yeah especially if you have that uh merciless uh, six mana oh from merciless retribution merciless retribution oh uh, I, th- I think i know what that... you're talking about like the exile spell yeah oh eviction eviction yeah. thank you yeah. yeah combine that with this kaya now you can just like cast anything that you've exiled with that if you get the emblem that's pretty sweet mm-hmm. and she synergizes with herself too right like if if you get her to seven loyalty and then minus seven her and she goes to your graveyard, um, even if your opponent ends up exiling your graveyard, you can you can cast Kaya at a later time. Yeah. And the other crazy thing is the emblem isn't like once a turn or something. It's just like you can willy nilly whatever you want. Well, no, <laughs> it's at the beginning of your upkeep, so that's when it, it will trigger. Oh, beginning of upkeep. Ha-ha. Yeah, but you don't have to pay okay. its mana cost, which is nice. Yeah. Next up, we have King Narfi's Betrayal. It's one blue-black for a saga. Chapter one is each player mills four cards. Then you may exile a creature or planeswalker card from each graveyard. And chapter two and three are the same. Until end of turn, you may cast spells from among cards exiled with King Narfi's Betrayal. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. Narfi. <laughs> Narf. Um, this can kind of get you a little bit of like incidental value because you'd only you only have the two turns after Mm -hmm. so you want to be exiling things that you make sure that you're able to cast or you want to make sure that your opponents don't get back (laughs) 
that that as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can use it as like a hate card yeah in in like limited or, or one versus one it's um it's kind of like a divination effect although it's in my experience when i've played it out it, it seems to perform a lot better in the late game so it's it's one of those divination effects that i'm looking to hold on to until later um yeah but it scales really well for multiplayer too which is really cool because being able to get four uh creatures or planeswalkers with this that that could that could be pretty fun yeah i think so pretty narfy (laughs) (laughs) narf (laughs) (laughs) and some of the names in this set next up we have coma cosmos serpent it's three green green blue blue for a six six legendary serpent this spell can't be countered. At the beginning of each upkeep, create a 3-3 blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. Sacrifice another serpent. Choose one. Tap target permanent. Its activated abilities can't be activated this turn. And, or, or, Coma, Cosmos Spirit, gains indestructible until end of turn. Wow, guys, I think maybe we blew our load a little too soon on uh, the Simic uh, <laughs> Serpent live deck build. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Coma's a house. <laughs> yeah, let's, the, yeah, it, it definitely. Again, like this is gonna be something that's most likely to stay on the board unless it gets exiled. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of like a tender shoot and dryad like, that's just gonna wreck your face. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to worry about having um, city's blessing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that a, the city's blessing. Oh, you already boy. got a house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had um, a limited deck. Um, the other day it was a, a like a a blue red giants deck um so kind of like spell slingery and stuff like that and then pack three uh i opened a foreign clex for my first pick in pack three and i was like okay uh i'm gonna pick it I'll, pick, I'll pick it just uh, yeah. in the chance that i'm able to play it and i was like okay cool so i picked up foreign clex then i got past the battle mammoth the <laughs> The, okay. The, the mythic sure. mammoth that uh, you know when yeah. it's targeted, or if any of your stuff's targeted, you get the draw card. I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm gonna yeah. put that in my deck, and then I got third no pick a coma. Are you serious? <laughs> what? The yeah, hell? I got the draft How log and everything. Three, <laughs> three mythics in a row. Yeah. Just that is nutty. So either way, I ended up splashing for them. <laughs> really. <laughs> Uh, but i still went three and three so it's it didn't didn't quite work out i think i got a little greedy but uh yeah oh but it was fun you know i've uh i generally don't recommend putting in uh what is the xl effect the raven raven's call or whatever it is um raven form raven form yeah i generally don't recommend putting that in 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 your uh limited decks but in like two out of the three games that i I played with Coma actually hitting the battlefield. Like my opponent had a Raven form, and I was like, "Okay, well, this this makes me very upset now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an exile. Yeah. We have Maja Bredegard Protector next. It's two green, white, white for a two-three legendary human warrior. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a one-one white human warrior creature token. Whew, that's yeah. that's a powerful is, landfall ability. It's just straight up value. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 
Um, I've never had this in limited, but I've gone against it like two or three times, and it just hits the board. I don't have removal. It's like, well, game over. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then especially like um, Landfall. Like, this would even go well in that um, uh, Omnath deck that I made on the on the show. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice landfall ability. Yeah. And another uncommon yeah. legendary that I'd be excited to brew something Just around. solid. Yeah. 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 Next up, we have Morit of the Frost. It's two green, blue, blue for a 0-0 zero, zero legendary snow shapeshifter. It has changeling, and you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of a permanent you control, except it's, it's legendary and snow in addition to its other types and if it's a creature it enters with two additional 1-1 counters on it and has changeling pretty cool yeah pretty neat it's kind of expensive for like a a clone a clone and it's nice that it, it could being like it eat. could target any permanent of yours mm-hmm. yeah and then if it's a creature it does enter in stronger so it, it does have the versatility there so mm-hmm. That's where the extra colors and all that comes in. So it's still a, still a pretty good, decent card. I think it's really good in Commander because you can like obviously duplicate some good artifact or something you have out as well if you really want to. So yeah. Well, if you're gonna duplicate an artifact, you might as well just go with uh, Phyrexian Metamorph and, and save some. Why mana, not both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Why not both? But this is yeah, this, this is gives, obviously this gives you the options. Yeah. This is obviously more uh, more flexible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very uh, very interesting. You have somebody overwhelming splendor. You can cast this and get another one. Oh, exactly. Oh, that's mean. Like that. That's very <laughs> mean. <like> that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Narfi himself. Narfi, betrayer Narf? of king. Uh, betrayer king. Narf. He's three blue black for a legendary snow zombie wizard for three. Other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one plus one. And uh, he has an activated ability. Pay three snow. Return Narfi, Betrayer King, from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. That's nice. Yeah, kind of like a reassembling Yeah, skeleton. again, this is like... Yeah, it's interesting because it's also like a decent, you know, it can be for like a blue-black uh, zombie mm-hmm. deck, so... Yeah, it could Do be... Do the snow zombies get uh, plus two, plus two? No, they, they would just no. get plus one, plus one. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Unfortunately, not. <laughs> it, I would have to say like your snow creatures get plus one plus one, and then your zombie creatures get plus one plus yeah, one. Yeah. Hmm. What a what a noob question. Oh, I'm embarrassed, Narfi. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Narf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he get he seems like a guy that would get it. You know, he's petting that skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> next up, we have Nico Eris. It's uh, I think the second Planeswalker we've we've ever seen with an X in its mana cost. So it's it's X, white, blue, blue for a three loyalty legendary Planeswalker Nico. Uh, its static ability is when it enters the, the battlefield, create X shard tokens. Shard tokens are enchantments with pay two, sacrifice this enchantment, scry one, then draw a card. Um, that's a new that's a new token type, I believe. Uh, plus one is yeah. I think this is the only card with shards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus one is up to one target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Whenever that creature deals damage this turn, return it to its owner's hand. Minus one is 
it deals two damage to target tapped creature for each card you've drawn this turn and its other minus one is create a shard token so kind of interesting you know planeswalkers like this are always interesting from the perspective that they sort of operate outside of um what we've expected planeswalkers to do and you know we expect those first two abilities to kind of work well together and <clears throat> not that these uh, don't but we we also expect them to lead to that third ultimate ability that can be sort of mythically game breaking uh, not game breaking but can kind of um, it is a, a bomb type effect and uh, this doesn't really do that no honestly it's um I don't know I think initially looking at Nico I was I was a little bit more excited than when I actually had the opportunity to play with Nico and then I was just like kind of all around disappointed <laughs> um i just found that like the the more you invest into x the less likely you are to use the shard on the turn that you play it so it doesn't really synergize very well with its first minus one ability um and then obviously like the more you sink into it the more of these shards that you're going to have so the longer the game goes uh the more cards you're eventually going to be able to draw by you know pumping two generic mana into each shard to scry one and draw a card but it's just such a big investment for for such a little payoff uh in the long run mm -hmm. it's just a little bit underwhelming when it hits the board it definitely doesn't help you stabilize and then also like these colors that we're in um definitely has like flying so it's like oh you know the the plus is like well i still have evasion and also usually like a control deck and a control deck doesn't want to be using its mana to recast the creatures yeah. that you're playing uh so weird eh like i i mean mm -hmm. yeah i i don't know why it needs to return the creature to your hand like that just seems bad like never mind the fact that the plus one <laughs> like even if it said plus one one of your creatures is unblockable this turn it's like okay whatever <laughs> it, it's it's defenseless <laughs> yeah. otherwise right um yeah so <laughs> i i don't know it's just kind of nico's uh looks cool on paper but in in practice is uh less cool yeah and like i hope we see more of these shard tokens uh i just think in this card they're more like shard tokens yeah yeah every, every time i hear the term <laughs> shard i think of shard yeah <laughs> see how many yeah see many sh shards nico can shard out <laughs> We have Nico Defies Destiny next. It's one white blue for a saga. Chapter one is you gain two life for each foretold card you own in exile. Chapter two is add a white and a blue to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to foretell cards or to cast spells that have foretell. And chapter three is return target card with foretell from your graveyard to your hand. Um, I haven't checked uh, with the Azorius commander call time commander deck but this probably isn't in there and i feel like it should be yep i'd agree little... <laughs> i mean i'm kidding it might it, it might be in there it, it might be in there yeah it, it's fine it's uh it's a little clunky like it's, it's the fine. nice thing the nice thing yeah. about the mechanic foretell is it makes your turns a lot more mana efficient you know it helps fill in those little gaps where you would otherwise you know waste a couple mana um on a turn and and that's really nice but like to to pay three to count how many <laughs> uh foretold cards you have in exile to gain some life and then get these few extra effects is is kind of a little underwhelming but 
the last chapter to be able to buy something back from your graveyard that that's relevant i i think um i don't know it seems fine like it, it would probably synergize fairly nicely in a in a deck that cares a lot about foretell but it's not something i'm going to go out of my way to to build around yeah no for sure and like i definitely had this uh a limited deck that had a decent amount of foretell cards and i still found this card kind of underwhelming for what it could do yeah yeah i agree yeah the raven's warning is next it's one white blue for a saga chapter one is created one one blue bird creature token with flying you gain two life chapter two is whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deals combat damage to a player this turn look at that player's hand and draw a card and chapter three is you may put a card you own from outside the game on top of your library now this is some side action <laughs> what <laughs> Uh, yeah, the obviously the third chapter on this card is re- it's unique and really cool. Um, being able to like get a sideboard card like is gonna be the next card you're gonna draw. Um, obviously, there are like black tutors that put it right into your hand, so it's not quite the same as that. But again, it's a saga that's getting you you know value over time. So yeah, and uh, you know don't underestimate the the um, the power of looking at your opponent's hand. It's it's. Oh yeah, it's, it's, you know it, it gives you so much information and and di- and and really helps you dictate what uh, what moves you should be making in the following turns. And then of course again we're in the colors of control, so the more information you have playing a deck like that puts you more far ahead. So oh yeah. Next up we have Sarolf Realm Eater. It's one Rolf. <laughs> it's it's one black green for a three three legendary wolf. Whenever a permanent and opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a one one counter on Sarolf Realm Eater. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Sarolf has one or more one one counters on it, you may remove all of them. If you do exile each other non-land permanent with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of counters removed this way. This is a really interesting style of like wipe, like a board wipe. Mm-hmm. Like if you have this in a commander deck, being able to like pump it up somehow and then like getting rid of everything else. Obviously it hits your own stuff too, but it's getting rid of um uh non-land permanents, so it's like everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's either a thick boy or, or, you know, leaving leaving behind just himself on the battlefield once he's done uh, removing all his counters. Yeah. Obviously, the difficult part about this is somebody can see what you're trying to do, and this only resolves at the beginning of upkeep, so it's definitely going to be a, a target. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that is, that's definitely a weakness. But how many times have you been in a game and needed a removal spell and, you know, even a game of Commander and just nobody has one yeah yeah it's usually how i win nobody has it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too me too <laughs> we have showdown of the skulls next it's two red white for a saga chapter one is exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn you may play those cards and chapter two and three are whenever you cast a spell this turn put a one one counter on target creature you control oh, you get lands yeah, that's like- nice Mm-hmm. yeah that's true as well you can play them so this is some really decent card advantage yes very decent <laughs> pretty fantastic if you ask me like I, i'm a big fan of this especially in like um a more like aggressive or, or mid-range style of 
Boros deck, like to have this form of card advantage is pretty pretty big game. And, and just being able to distribute some, And then you're probably going to be yeah, yeah, distributing some counters as as like a little cherry on top is fine by me, but good yeah, stuff. That first chapter is awesome. We have Svela Ice Shaper next. It's one red green for a 2/4 legendary snow troll warrior. Has two activated abilities. The first one is pay three tap. Create a colorless snow artifact token named Icy Manolith with tap. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Second activated ability is six red green tap. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Golos. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they just took Manolith and made it snow and were like, uh, it's icy Manolith. It's icy. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, can we get a Golos? We have a Golos at home. <laughs> can we get an icy Golos? <laughs> yeah, I love Svela. Svela's like everything that I want Golos to be, but Golos just ends up being like way too overpowered <laughs> for my taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Svela's like the 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 perfect amount of just like fun uh like ramp on a stick mixed with some splashy end game uh and yeah i'm a big fan cool yeah spending that mana to make icy manoliths yeah exactly the three (laughs) the three seasons is next it's green blue for a saga Chapter 1 is mill 3 cards. Chapter 2 is return up to 2 target snow permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. And Chapter 3 is choose 3 cards in each graveyard. Their owners shuffle those cards into their libraries. Hmm. That could be fun in Commander. Just mm-hmm. everybody chooses 3. But you don't want the player that's ahead to choose 3 unless you're that player. Well, you, just to be well, fair, you, like you. you choose which cards get shuffled in. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay. So, again, like if somebody's wanting certain things in their graveyard, you can be like, ha, it's back in your library. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Obviously, like I don't, I'd only consider <laughs> putting this in a deck that cares about snow. <laughs> yeah. Or at least has like, um, uh, like is running snow lands. <laughs> but even then, like, I'd want to be getting my money's worth when I'm returning two snow permanents. So you'd have to have a few snow creatures, a few snow lands to, to be even to really make it worth know, it. Considering this. Cause of course like yeah. milling three is, is like whatever is not <laughs> worth the card. Um, unless you're really desperate to mill three, <laughs> but I think there's some better, better <laughs> options like a uh, perpetual timepiece. Um, milling to a turn but just by tapping like that that's a nice effect if you're just looking for the mill ability but yeah mm-hmm. and then chapter three yeah. i don't think that's what you're focused on but it's nice to be able to get those threats back into mm-hmm. somebody's library if, if you're fearful that they're going to reanimate it or, or reuse it from their graveyard <laughs> i'm fearful <laughs> oh <I'm> shaking <laughs> next up we have the trickster gods heist it's two blue-black for a saga. Chapter one is you may exchange control of two target creatures. Chapter two is you may exchange control of two target non-basic non-creature permanents that share a card type. And chapter three is target player loses three life and you gain three life. Huh. Oh, that third chapter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, watch out. 
<laughs> it's like a bolt and then some. Not even because you can't target anything. <laughs> the, the nice thing, like if you're running this in Commander or like, really in any game, the nice thing about Chapter 2 is you could exchange this with another enchantment. So somebody else has something spicy on that on their side of the table, you could always be like, here, here, take this. And then, you know, they might turn around and drain you for three, but like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's a good point. Next up, we have Vega the Watcher. It's one white-blue for a 2-2 legendary bird spirit with flying. Whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. Uh, Fortel cards. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it's very good with Fortel. (laughs) Works with, uh, like, if this is in your 99, casting your commander will draw you a card. Oh, yeah. Yep, so make sure it's in the 99 because it's not going to draw for itself. Oh, man, Abra's just hes going nuts. I don't know if you guys can hear him yelling. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Next up, we have Waking the Trolls. It's four red-green for a saga. Chapter one is destroy target land. Chapter two is put target land card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. And chapter three is choose target opponent. If they control fewer lands than you, create a number of 4-4 four, four green troll warrior creature tokens with trample equal to the difference hmm. six mana to blow up a land i don't know if i like that rate <laughs> the the payoff on this one is huge though because um, if you're in some sort of deck that's caring about lands and then you're destroying your opponents and then gaining a land as well that's another like two land difference there um you can probably get a lot of four four trolls on the battlefield yeah, and if you've just been pumping out lands the entire game, like in a dedicated land stack, you could get a lot of a lot of trolls, especially if there's a mono white player in the pod. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, like if you're in a commander game, there's that mono white player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's fair. Uh, okay, so uh, that does it for gold cards. We're gonna move on to the lands. Uh, first up, we have the world tree. It is, uh, well, it's a land, of course. It enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for a green. And as long as you control six or more lands, lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and it has an activated ability, well, another activated ability, for uh, double Wooburg. Uh, tap, sacrifice the world tree, search your library for any number of god cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. And I'm sure you guys have seen stuff... Uh, you know, with cards that make, you know, you, when you cards that let you play uh, play them and choose a creature type, and then they make all creatures uh, that type, creatures that are in your hand, creatures that are in your deck, creatures that are on the battlefield under your control. So, you know that that would allow you to search for, um, uh, you you know, you name um, God, and then you can search for any of those creatures, whatever your deck is is full of. And I, there's a few cards that do that. I, I think I'm trying to think of uh, well. Maskwood Nexus is uh, in Cal Time and it does that. Yeah. Right, right. I th- I'm thinking of the blue one from, I uh, think, Ixalan. Ar- Arcane Adaptation. Yes. And then I yeah. think there's a. Is it Conspiracy? I think the card's name's. Is it Conspiracy or Conscription? I think it's Conspiracy. I think it's Conspiracy. Yeah. 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 So you can do that, have some fun with it, but it's also a really great um, uh, mana fixing for uh, you know four and five color decks because once you hit that six land um, 
mark you just get to tap your lands for yeah. uh, any mana color like i think i would probably rather run this uh, well you know i just i don't really uh you know i i think there are, I, i'm thinking of um chromatic lantern and, and there are definitely mm -hmm. cases where you know you should run chromatic lantern in decks but i feel like this card is stronger in some ways it's not ramp of course but uh and it comes into play tapped which i don't like but the fact that it's a land makes it a lot less likely that it's going to get removed so there's just there's a little oh, bit yeah. it, it feels a little bit more um it feels a little stronger in that regard and so i feel a little more just comfortable having it on the battlefield over a chromatic lantern yeah um so you know i'm kind of you know if i was going to do like more of a budget um you know four or five color land base I, I would definitely consider putting this in yeah and, and notably like if you're running this in commander it would have to be in a five co five color deck because it, it is oh uh, yeah you're absolutely yeah, yeah that's right yeah so uh forget about those four color decks that i was talking yeah about forget about it forget about it Next up, we have Faceless Haven. It is a snow land. It taps for uh, generic snow mana, and you can pay three snow mana. It becomes a 4-3 creature with vigilance and all creature types until end of turn. It's still a land. What is, uh, is there an activated, uh, is there a cost to activate Mutavault's ability to turn into a 2-2? Two, two, uh, yeah. yeah. One. Is it two? It's, it's one. It's one? Mm -hmm. Okay. I kind of <laughs> like that better than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Mutable will will fit into more decks than Faceless Haven, but it's Faceless Haven's already seeing some play in uh like mono white weenies. Um which is putting up some pretty solid results in standard. It's a, it's I mean, it's definitely a big threat like after a board wipe, having a 4-3 versus a 2-2 two -two yeah. can be a a, yeah. a big game. For sure. Next up, we have the uh, the MDFC um, dual lands from this set, and uh, you know things like Bark Channel Pathway, the Simic one with Tide Channel Pathway, or the uh, Blight Step Pathway with uh, Seer Step Pathway. The uh, Rakdos ones. We got Simic Rakdos. We got um, Golgari and Azorius in this set. Uh, you know, these these are great lands. These were great lands uh, when we first saw them in Zendikar Rising. Um, and, you know, the, I, I don't really have a lot else to say about them other than that. They don't enter the battlefield tapped. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, they're just they're just solid mana fixing. And, and I've uh, since this set came out, I've really started to put a lot more of them into my decks, both from this set and from Zendikar Rising. Nice. Yeah, really good lands. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they finished the uh, <laughs> the playset. And so quickly after they started it, they're they're not uh, really known for. Doing yeah, right. That. Yeah, there's so many. They usually do. <laughs> it's like oh, five years later. Yeah. There's so many. Uh, there's so many unfinished. There's so many enemy cycles that we haven't gotten. And they also did this in a different way, right? Like we got six of them in in Zendikar Rising, and then they gave us the yeah. other four in this set. So totally. Yeah, even like those uh, enter untapped. If you have at least two other basics, like that set's not done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been around for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, or the uh, the Ammon Cat ones, the cycling lands that are fetchable. We only have the yeah. we only have the allied ones. Yeah, the bicycle yeah. lands. 
That's right. I want to ride my bicycle. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. People love to sing along to Queen, don't they? they <laughs> Especially <it>. white people. <laughs> <laughs> Especially white people. <laughs> so uh, next up, we have the snow duels. Uh, so those are, we got uh, all 10 of the snow duels. So they're they're fetchable. They're, uh, they're snow lands. And they tap for one, or, or they, you, you know, of of the of all ten color pairs, each land taps for, you know, like we have the Boros one, we have the um, we have the Slesnia one, we have the the Demir one. We've got all of them. They're you know they're they're mountain plains, they're they're forest plains. Uh, they're really they're really solid. They're common. Um, I think, you know. <sighs> The fact that they come into play tapped really uh, takes them out of consideration for me. But, uh, you know, I love uh, snow lands. Like, I run a lot of snow basics in a lot of my commander decks. Um, and I think these are definitely playable because they they are fetchable. If Because we've seen mm-hmm. lands like this before, like snow duels that aren't fetchable. But I think these, you know, if you're really concerned about having snow permanence if you're really concerned about having being able to activate abilities that need snow mana um and you're on um more of a budget um i think these are are fantastic lands for for all those reasons in in commander of course yeah and and uh, being common oh. like they're already seeing play in popper uh, especially like ice tunnel the demir land uh, works really well mm-hmm. in like demir control with snuff out Snuff out cares about having swamps and the fact that it has a land type is uh is relevant mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and i'm sure they're <clears throat> you know they're they're great and limited for evening out your mana base but uh like riley i i don't know if it was last episode but you were saying uh that you know like the snow archetype in the limited format is uh is a real thing oh, and, yeah. and these also help with that yeah as five well. five color snow decks are a thing <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially like teamer based or, or Sultai based. Yeah, I also really uh, like the art on this whole set. Oh yeah, like the mm-hmm. Arctic uh, tree line with the Aurora Borealis. Oh That's just yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Oh man, I have the sulfurous mire just with like the the reds everywhere is like oh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. This whole set, the art, the art is just amazing. In this whole in this whole set, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I love I love the winter aesthetic. Yeah, I wish the foiling would be done really well because, like you know, like the Arctic tree line and stuff. I bet you would look like awesome oh, yeah. with the foiling. Well, the, so, well, the, the I haven't, I didn't. This is like the first set in many years. I haven't pre-ordered foils when I when I ordered uh, singles for the set because after Commander Legends, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was hurt. I was traumatized, and uh, you know what I've seen online of cards. Uh, they don't seem to be curling terribly, and they don't seem to be cloudy like Commander Legends. Like the foils do look really good from this set. Nice. I guess it is a base set compared to like a supplemental, which is mm-hmm. kind of what Commander Legends was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so moving on to the uh, um, before we get on to the uncommon land cycle, where which is uh, I think where we're going to wrap things up today. I did just want to mention the snow basics. So we got all five. Um, basic lands in snow covered form uh and what was great this time is that we got two pieces of art for each land um so that's that's really that's really great in the past we've only gotten one style of art one um 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not the biggest fan of the aesthetic of this iteration of the snow-covered basics, nor am I a big fan of, of like, the snow cards, the way they're just very, very um, – there's just a lot of white. They're very mm-hmm. light. It kind of reminds me of uh, when uh, Mirrored in Block first came out yeah. and people complained that the artifacts looked too much like white cards. You know, it was just – and it was also shocking because it was, like, the first time they did that border, so it was just – I quit playing Magic. Mm. It was a whole thing. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, you know, I, regard, regardless of that, I, I am always happy to see a reprint of these lands. Uh, we, we got one a couple years ago. Uh, maybe, I guess it's not quite quite two years ago now, but um, it was sort of right around the time we started doing the show uh, when Modern Horizons came out for the first time when we got a reprint of Snow Basics. And at that time, Snow Basics were starting to get expensive. Like Popper was still sort of, it, it wasn't new, but it was still very, very popular. And, and that was driving the prices of uh, at least at least islands and mountains at that time, and those were getting pricey, especially the Ice Age ones, and those are still the most expensive ones. But you know, it's just nice to get a reprint of these. There, there, there's one in every pack. Well, there's a Snowland in in every pack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always going to be a basic, but um, you know, these these are cheaper than ever. So if you wanted to pick them up for your commander decks or whatever decks. Um, uh, you know, hopefully you have extra, extra planar lenses because those are those are getting pricey as well. Um, but yeah, just just a fantastic, fantastic to see these reprinted in a standard set. Modern Horizons was nice, but this is uh, even better in terms of of reprint equity. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to the uncommon land cycle. So they gave us ten of these. Uh, each of them is for a color pair. So each of them, they all enter the battlefield tapped. They all tap for uh, a mana of, you know, like the white one uh, taps for a white mana. But but each one has uh, an activated ability of two different mana colors uh, of the of the 10 different color pairs. Um, so were there any of these that, that you guys wanted to talk about in particular? Or just as a whole, you know, I'm wondering because yeah. you guys have been playing limited, and I haven't. Like, what are, what are these like in limited? Uh, so like uh like the gates of Istfel, um, sacrifice it, gain two life, draw two cards. Uh, being able to draw cards off of a land is always good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then I also had the uh, the port of Carfell, um, which you sacrifice it, mill four cards, and you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped sadly but uh still got anything back from from your graveyard though so mm-hmm. that one's a little steeper at six mana yeah i find um as far as like limited goes generally speaking they're they're pretty solid or at least like they can be pretty solid um like skemfar elder hall is is pretty solid uh sacrificing to give target creature negative two negative two and creating two one one elves um can be relevant in in limited Lichyara Mirror Lake, being able to copy a creature you control, but it enters with an additional plus one, plus one counter. Um, that one is pretty spicy, especially if you're copying something like a, a a Lindworm, like a Ravenous Lindworm, gaining you another four life and giving you a 7-7. Seven, seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like overall, I, I'm excited particularly for like Bredegard Stronghold in... Uh, might look at building some sort of um, like plus one plus one counter deck in Canadian Highlander. Like I, I would see that being a pretty spicy ability to have on a land. 
being able to sacrifice it to put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures you control. Then they gain vigilance and lifelink until end of turn. So pretty spicy stuff. It can be a very big swing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Axe Guard Armory, like it searching for an aura or equipment card is not always the best thing to be doing in limited, um, but it's fine if you have enough cards to support that kind of idea. But in, in commander, like having the ability to sacrifice your land to search for like a relevant aura or a relevant equipment that could be a pretty big game it's good stuff yeah yeah and that one's not at sorcery speed so that's pretty cool there a lot to talk about with this set we did four parts um and you know we just did that because we don't want to do you know like two like two and a half hour episodes but you know let us know let us know what you prefer you know do you like the you know closer to, to one hour episodes or you know do you like sitting down and um listening to like a two and a half hour episode um and you know you can do that in the comments below you can you can dm us you can you can email us um we should really get like a fax machine or something <laughs> so people can fax us um i still fax fa okay. i still fax things at, at work and i'm just like why why am i doing this you know <laughs> but uh anyways that is going to end our call time set review but that is not going to end our call time content we are going to be back next week to talk more about call time or at least call time related cards with uh probably do uh, a deck tech i think is what we're going to do next week uh commander if you're interested and uh, if there are any cards that you're excited to slot into decks that we've missed you can let us know in the comment section or dm us on instagram that's that's really the the fastest way to get in touch with us not necessarily the best but definitely the fastest um so like i said this is going to end our call time set review thank you all for listening as always uh be safe out there and again congratulations to uh thomas for winning Congrats. winning the giveaway uh we will have Woo. that out to you post haste and uh you know let us know what you think yeah as always thanks everybody and uh the whole free deck giveaway was pretty fun i hope you enjoyed the deck there thomas all right everybody we will talk to you next week bye bye for now See ya. See ya. Cargo Durr. <laughs> Turn one soul ring.